24, Matthew 12 and verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And so they accused Jesus of casting out devils by the prince of devils, Beelzebub. Verse 25, And Jesus knew their thoughts, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Again in verse 25, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and Jesus said, Every kingdom. So then if Jesus said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, then we see that division or disharmony uh, destroys people. It destroys kingdoms. It destroys relationships. It says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So then division would destroy a household, according to this verse. Division would destroy uh, a family. Division would destroy uh, a church. Division would destroy a business. Division would destroy any uh, work of people who are having to work together to be effective. And most of life, you're going to have to work with somebody to be effective. And so, uh, division, we see, would destroy a city. Uh, Division, we could go further, would destroy a state or a nation. Division would destroy any group of people. Now, our focus today is developing agreement in your marriage or developing agreement in your uh, relationship with your husband and your wife. Now, understanding though that when we talk about agreement with your husband or your wife or in your marriage relationship, that agreement or agreement with another person whom you're in relationship with would work as well. Whether your friend or whether a, a spiritual relationship in the church or whether uh, people on your job or whether people uh, in any given set of circumstances that you're in relationship with, this word agreement is very important and very vital. And we know that division divides and destroys and any kingdom or house or family or marriage uh, will not stand as a result of division. So then agreement or people getting in agreement and working together would cause it to stand and to flourish or to grow and develop and be the most effective. Now, all of us want to be effective in our life. And to be truly effective in your life, you're going to have to be uh, effective in your relationships. And to be effective in your home, you're going to have to be uh, effective in your marriage. And of course, uh, if you will work at coming into agreement in your relationship with your spouse, you'll find that uh, you will enjoy God's best blessings. Praise God. Now, 40%, statistics show us that 40% of marriages end in divorce. First-time marriages. 
We see, and of course statistics change. This is the last one that I looked at that I uh, referred to. And then uh, secondly, uh, 50% or 60% of second time marriages end in divorce. And then 75% of third time marriages or third marriages end in divorce. So then we can see from those statistics that you don't just succeed because you do it twice. Or you don't succeed because you do it three times. No, really you succeed because you apply yourself to the one that you're in now. If you've already been divorced once or twice or three times and you're in another marriage, then you don't want to end in the same type of situation. You don't want to end in divorce. You want to succeed in your present relationship. Well, in order to do that, then of course we need to follow God's pattern or God's plan uh, for a marriage relationship. And we've seen here that if you are divided, then your house is going to fall. Or if you are divided against yourself. You understand, you're divided against your husband or your wife, then your marriage will not stand. He said, a house divided against itself. So within the marriage relationship, we must work at having agreement or agreeing together for the same purposes. And when a husband and wife respectfully sit down and communicate and talk, uh, you know, if you can't come to agreement it might be best for you to wait on that decision. You know, everything is not as urgent for you to deal with as sometimes you may think. Sometimes it would be better for you to just kind of put that thing on the shelf until you can come into a position of agreement. Both of you can agree uh, to do the same thing so that you can pursue. And especially in the major things in your life, you don't want to be in disagreement or disharmony in the beginning stages of any decision that you make. So you want to make right decisions and right choices. And I believe the Holy Spirit can work in a husband and a wife so that they are able to agree together. Now, if you have discussed it respectfully and you still don't agree and uh, it's very time sensitive, we must make a decision, then I would encourage you in your marriage relationship uh, to yield as a wife to your husband, as a husband, as the head of your relationship, uh, according to Ephesians chapter 5, encourage you to just support him in his decision. You say, what if he makes a wrong decision? He'll learn. <laughs> and then you both have learned. And uh, perhaps you can make some adjustments and redirect your course and redirect your life. And we all learn sometimes by mistakes, but we don't want to. So that's why I say if it is not so time sensitive to then set it on the shelf and continue to pray until you both can come into agreement about that decision and especially major decisions of your life. Amos chapter 3 says how can two walk together except they be agreed? How can two walk together except they be agreed? So then you must learn to come into agreement. And the only way you're going to have real agreement is through communication. 
You would never know that you're in agreement unless there is some kind of communication. I understand that husbands and wives, after a certain period of time in their life, they've learned each other and they grow together and so they can make decisions sometimes knowing what the other party would want because of their past communication. But without communication on some level, you would never know whether or not you are in agreement. And how are two going to walk together unless they're agreed? Now, because the devil hates uh, the image of God and you're created in the image of God and he hates the marriage relationship because it is a picture of Christ and his church or Christ and his bride and it pictures our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil always is endeavoring to cause division or cause strife. Division is of the devil. Strife is... It comes from the devil. The devil is the author of strife and confusion and dissension and disagreement and disharmony. Satan is the author of it. And so whether it is in a marriage relationship, whether it is in a friendship, a church relationship, or whether it's on your job, um, no matter what it is in any given setting, I can tell you the devil is the author of division or confusion or strife and uh, bitterness comes as a result or anger or resentment comes as a result. And so the devil is always endeavoring to stir up strife. And so every time the devil sticks his head up, you need to learn to resist the devil and shut the devil up in your life. And don't give him any place. Ephesians chapter 4 says, neither give place to the devil, implying that he's looking for a place. Don't give any place to the devil. Uh, some translation says, don't give him a loophole or don't give him, don't leave the door cracked. You know, if you leave the door cracked, critters get in. Even though we don't have much to work with here in Las Vegas, if you leave your door open and you didn't have a screen or some type of a barrier between your house and the door, bugs or uh, scorpions or uh, lizards may get in your house. And uh, so you don't want to leave the door open so that demonic activity can access your home and access your family and access your marriage. You want to keep the door shut. See, dissension and strife and division opens the door for the devil. And so you want to keep the door shut on the devil so that he cannot access your life and hinder your relationship with your husband and your wife. God wants you to stand strong against the adversary of your soul. Praise God. Because your house is not going to stand if he can cause division between you and you fight each other. Your fight is not with flesh and blood, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us. It is not against flesh and blood. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, the powers and rulers of darkness of this world. So sometimes when you think it's your husband or your wife, it may be the devil working on their soul or working on their mind. And yes, they had to yield to it to uh, express certain ad attitudes or express certain actions. They had to yield to that attitude or they had to yield to that spirit in order for the devil to take full uh, advantage of their life. But nevertheless, the devil is behind it. He's pushing certain buttons. 
He works with weakness in a person's life. If you have certain weaknesses in your flesh and weaknesses in your mind and weaknesses in your emotions, of course, the devil uses those and he tries to push those buttons to cause dissension and division in your relationship with your husband or your wife and cause division in your home. Because he hates it, he's trying to divide and what? Conquer. So then, if you know the devil is out to divide and to conquer in your marriage or in your home and family, then you need to be steadfast and resist the devil and shut the door on the devil and don't give any place to the devil. Uh, We know from James, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the adversary is against your relationship. He's trying to bring division. So you have to work at agreeing together and work at agreement. How can two walk together unless they are agreed? Now let's look further here in this passage in verse 26. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So Jesus said, if if I'm... Uh, uh, what you say I am, you're accusing me of casting out devils by the prince of the devils, Beelzebub, uh, then how could Satan's kingdom stand if, if I was against uh, my own kingdom? But the reality was that he was not casting out devils by the prince of the devils, Beelzebub. He said in verse 27, And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Oh, got a little closer to home. Jesus knew how to get next to Ken. All right, he said, Therefore, they shall be your judges. Your children will be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. He said, If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. So then, there are two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, or the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. We know from Colossians 1 that we have been delivered from the power of darkness or the authority of darkness, or we could say the kingdom of darkness, and we have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. When did that occur? We know from John chapter 3 that when you're born again, that you pass out of death and you come into life, you are born out of one kingdom into another kingdom kingdom. We know it from John chapter or the third, uh, uh, the gospel of John and also from the epistle of John that we are passing out of death into life at the new birth or we come out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear son. But in the world that you live in, there is a coexisting. In other words, you're in the kingdom of God, but there is another kingdom An adversary of your soul, the devil, is lord over that kingdom. And so there is a war that is going on. There is a fight that is going on. And so realizing that there is adversity, there are enemies that are against you, enemies of your soul, enemies of your mind, enemies of your flesh, enemies of your spirit, enemies of your marriage and of your home and your family, realizing that you have an enemy, then you need to learn to resist the enemy and know anytime there is division and strife and confusion that the devil has found a way in. So then, if you realize that, then you're uh, quick to resist it. But if you don't recognize it, sometimes the devil likes for you to think, it's all your wife, she's your problem. It's all your husband, he's your problem. And so if you make them your enemy, then you already got a problem before you get home that evening. 
that right? You already got a fight on your hands before you get home, before you walk in the door. And your home should be a refuge. Your friendships should be a refuge. And so the devil tries to divide friendships. If you're single today, you have friends and relationships that are vital to your life. The devil tries to bring confusion and strife. And so one of your greatest things for you to invest in is relationships. Because you may not think you need them today, but there will be one day that you will need them. I said there will be one day that you need them. If God has put you in relationships with people, there will be a day that you need that relationship. They need you and you need them. We all need people in our lives. And the most important relationship you have on this earth is with your husband or your wife. Because God put you together. And joined you into union together. So you got to fight the current of this world. Because the current of this world is just quit. The current of this world is just give it up. The current of this world is it's not worth it. The current of this world is I'm not going to put up with that. The current of this world is destroying marriages, is destroying homes, it is destroying families. And so then the Holy Spirit enables you to overcome the adversity or the pressure that is on our society. Because the more the devil gets people to yield to him, the stronger the current is. So even if you feel like you're going upstream against the current of the world, thank God you're on the right direction. Praise God. You're pointed in the right direction and God's grace is on you and you can make it if God's grace is in your life. The love of God puts, a, it puts an engine on your boat. Hallelujah. The love of God causes you to be able to go upstream. It causes you to be able to go against the current of this world and God's plan for you is for you to succeed and to have agreement in your home and in your family. Praise God. So sometimes you just got to recognize who your enemy is and cast the devil out of your house. Take authority over the devil and not always think your wife or your husband is your enemy. I'm preaching real good. So he said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So we want God's kingdom established in our home. We want God's kingdom established in our own personal lives. And so you have to exercise authority. God has given you authority. In Luke chapter 10, he said, Behold, I give unto you authority or to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, you and your wife are one. You and your husband are one. We know you're joined together as one. And if it hurts them, it hurts you. I said, if it hurts them, it hurts you. Because if you hit at them, then you're hitting at yourself. If you hurt them, you're hurting yourself because God has joined you together. You can never hurt your spouse without hurting yourself. Because there is a spiritual, there is an emotional, there is a, a soul connection, there is a physical connection, physical connection. If you hit at them, if you're uh, against them, then it's going to come back to you. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. So you want to take authority over the devil and resist the devil who is against your marriage. 
Verse 29 says, or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Now, Jesus went into that strong man's house. Jesus invaded the world. He came onto this earth as a man sent from God. He was the God-man, and he came to this earth, and he, one place it says, with the finger of God cast out devils. So in other words, it's not difficult for Jesus to deal with the devil. But then he went past that, he went to the cross, and he did that for you. He died in your place. He suffered in your place. Satan thought he had won the game. Satan thought it was over. And there was a little celebration in hell. But on the third day, there was a resurrection. All of Satan's celebration has uh, an end to it. Praise God. The devil's celebration has an end. His party has an end. But our party keeps on going. Hallelujah. Because at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he spoiled principalities and powers. He went right into that strong man's house, and he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. He destroyed the devil. He defeated him. And he said he had the keys of death and of hell. And you have authority over the devil. Satan no longer has authority over you and the only authority he will have in your life is what you yield up to him. The devil is a liar and the primary way that he binds people's lives is through his lies and through his deception. That's why he puts these wrong thoughts in your head about your wife, puts these wrong thoughts in your head about your husband. That's why communication is necessary so that you shut the mouth of the devil and tell him where to go hallelujah and you let him know he's not going to have any place in your home and he's not going to have any place in your marriage you're going to shut the door on the devil when people don't communicate and there's dissension and they cease to speak to one another then the devil has his greatest opportunity hallelujah you need to keep the devil out of your marriage keep the devil out of your home keep the devil out of your family and because if you don't control it in the marriage, you're not going to control it in the children. And if you don't control it in the children, then you're not going to control it in the grandchildren. It's going to go from generation to generation. And I believe that you've been redeemed from the curse of broken relationships, broken families. I believe you've been redeemed from the curse of divorce. You've been redeemed and it's time to stand up and face the adversary and stand up to the devil and say, you can't win in this situation. You cannot and will not win. Glory to God. Be bold. Now, I'm not talking about what you've already been through. I'm talking about what you are facing today. If you've already been divorced, that's over. If you've already gone through it, that's done. But it's a new day in your life. Hallelujah. Live from today. You cannot live from last year or 10 years ago, but you can live from right here and right now. And you can believe God to help you to win in life and to win in your marriage and to conquer the devil and win over every adversary of your soul that tells you you cannot maintain control in your own life and in your own home. Hallelujah. So, you have authority. And even though there is a kingdom that is against you, the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of Satan. Amen. 
You've been delivered from the authority of darkness and you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Satan is a defeated foe. So you need to remind him. Remind the devil he's defeated. Remind him of his lies and tell him you're going to believe the truth and believe the word of God. He says, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. If, If you're not with me, you're against me. And if you're not gathering, you're scattering. So there's really no middle ground here. He said, if you're not with me, you're against me. He said, if you're not gathering, you're scattering. So everybody needs to consider, are you with your wife? Are you with your husband? Are you with your kids? Come on. Are you with it with your relationships or your friendships? I mean, people in your life that are vital and valuable to you, are you with them or are you, or are you against them? Are you gathering or are you scattering? When it comes to the church, the scripture says, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. You think the devil doesn't know that verse? He knows that verse. He knows if I can hit at the shepherd. In other words, if I can criticize the shepherd, if I can criticize what he's doing or what she's doing, if I can do that, then I can scatter the sheep. What am I doing? I'm causing uh, confidence to be destroyed in the shepherd. And if you smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. So the devil knows that. So he's trying to eat away at relationships. So whether it's the church, whether it's your family, Come on. Whether it's your job, if you're always criticizing the boss, ah, did I hit a nerve? Praise the Lord. Need to reconsider. Are you gathering? Are you bringing people together for unified purposes? Are you scattering? Is what you say, is it scattering your relationship in your home? Is it dividing your relationship? Is it putting a wedge between you and your wife? Is it putting a wedge between you and your children? Is it putting a wedge between you and a friend? Is it putting a wedge between you and a spiritual relationship? Is it dividing you and scattering you? Or is it drawing people together? Is it drawing you and your wife or husband together? Is it unifying you? Because division is never from heaven. Come on. In, in the sense of when, when people can work together, if people choose not to work together, then sometimes even Jesus will divide you because you're unwilling to change. So, but for the most part, God wants you together. And we have to choose to be together. You have to choose to be married. That's how you got that way. Isn't that right? You wanted her then. Well, you need to want her now. You were attracted to her then. You need to be attracted to her now. You wanted him then. You say, well, I didn't know what I was getting. (laughs) Well, for you single people, then take a little while. Get to know them. (laughs) Give them a little test drive. Come on now. (laughs) Take a little time. Don't be in a hurry. Well, I love them. Well, we understand how you love them. But it... It won't hurt you to wait a little, a little while and just cool your jets a little bit and 
find out who they are, what they're made of, what their character is. Just because they have a nice car doesn't mean they have good character. Hello. Just because they took you to a nice restaurant doesn't mean that they have good character. It doesn't take you too long to figure out what kind of character people have. And when you get certain signs, you need to pay attention. Don't let love is not supposed to be blind. Come on. It's okay to give them good, clear judgment before you get married. Find out what they are. Oh, Jesus. I knew you'd just love to hear that. He that is not with me scatters. So then we don't want to be a scatterer. We want to be a gatherer. Because if you'll gather together as your as a spouse, as a husband and wife, you can gather your family. But if you have disagreement, dissension in the marriage, it's going to filter down to the kids. And you gather your family. When you get to church, you gather people. You gather people for the purposes of God. You get on your job. Don't be a scatterer. Don't be one who's always dissentious, always got something negative to say. You got plenty of that to go around. You don't have to be too... Uh, to look too far or be too big to see that. Come on. All you got to do is just show up and you'll find somebody that, that, that can be critical. It doesn't take uh, too big of an individual to be critical, but it takes a larger individual, a, a person of character to not always look for the negative. Amen? But look for the positive. Now, if you're going to be successful in your relationship as a married couple, then, again, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And how can there be agreement unless there is clear communication? Agreement must always, must not always be one-sided. Now, yeah, you understand that in some relationships, it's a one-sided relationship. Well, in reality, a one-sided relationship is not a relationship. It's not really a healthy relationship. It's not something that's going to last a long time, or if it does, it will not be a joyful relationship. So you don't want to have a one-sided relationship in your marriage because in time it will not be true agreement. It will be tolerance. You'll just kind of put up with each other. And some people, you know, they're married, but they just put up with each other. They're either always... Uh, speaking negatively and always speaking down to each other and always uh, carrying a chip on their shoulder or they're just real quiet. They never do talk. You get around them and they don't communicate. Well, neither is good. You don't want to hide your feelings and act like you don't have them and neither do you want to just always spill them out and, and just dump on your wife or dump on your husband. You want to learn to communicate effectively. Because without clear, effective communication, then you're not going to have agreement in any area of life, whether it be your marriage or your family or whether it's your relationship, a friend, uh, uh, whether it's on your, in your church or in a department in the church or whether it's uh, on your job or in your business, whatever it is, what, anytime you get a group of people together, there has to be communication in order to have agreement. And sometimes you even need to write things because you don't want to forget. 
You want it clear. On a job and a business, many times you're writing things clearly because you don't want to just, uh, well, we forgot or we didn't know that. Well, it's clearly written. That's why you have an employee's man- manual to, so that people know what's going on. This is our policy. This is what we do. This is how we operate. And so uh, people know what is expected of them and know what they can expect as well. And so in a marriage, you need to have some clear communication. Well, God's Word is God's covenant between you and your wife. In other words, God's Word spells out how the covenant is to operate. So we don't want to just follow the world's pattern or the world's mind or the world's philosophy. And we've all been affected by the world that we live in. We've all uh, bought into some of that stuff, you understand. And so you've got to renew your mind to God's way of thinking in your marriage just like you have to renew your mind to God's way of thinking of every other area of your life. Find out what God's covenant teaches. What is the pattern that we are to follow? And one of the patterns that we are to follow in a marriage relationship is agreement. Maintaining agreement in your marriage because you don't want to just tolerate each other. I believe that it's important to come into agreement so that you can enjoy your life together. And let me encourage you, don't uh, make big issues out of small matters. Am I ringing anybody's doorbell? I mean... Is anybody home? I said, don't make large issues out of small matters. Because the scripture says, the little foxes spoil the vine. Little foxes. Sometimes it's not always the big things. It's just the same thing over and over again that irritates you. In other words, it's like a pebble in your shoe or it's like a burr under your saddle. Come on. It's just something that irritates you, and you don't see them ever changing, and it just irritates you to no end. Well, let me encourage you. Sometimes a a, a grain of sand could become a pearl if you'll work with it. Hallelujah. And, And God wants to create something beautiful in your relationship, but sometimes you have to work with your spouse because they're not going to be like you. If they were like you, you probably wouldn't want to marry them anyhow. And so if you're wise anyhow, praise the Lord, uh, if they looked like you, dear God, we know you didn't want to marry them. And so, so you want to... You want to work together, and change is necessary in any relationship. If you're going to develop a relationship in your marriage, then you're going to have to change. Now, some things are worth changing, and some things are not worth arguing about. Some things are just not worth making an issue of. So if it's the small things that are really uh, not not going to affect you in uh, one way except that you don't like it, Sometimes you just need to accept the other person. Just accept that. And other things that are more important to you, then they need to change. Right? So that's a process. We all know that's a process. And some people are not willing to go through the process because in the process there's a little press. And the press is against your flesh. And the press is against what you feel and what you think and how you want to operate. And so that pressure is on your soul and you're unwilling to give in uh, for the other's sake. But love gives. 
I know this is a quiet message, little response. But it's true, and it'll help you as much as anything. Praise the Lord. If you'll be willing to change and, and change the way you think about something or change the way you feel about it. And after, sometimes some of you have been married a lot of years, and the things that used to irritate you, you just... It's really not a big deal. How many can testify? How many are glad you finally let it go? Because if you don't let it go, every day, every day, every day, when you see them coming, oh, why? Why do you have to do it that way? Why? You know, it's just, oh, but after a while, you just say, well, that's the way they're going to do it. Just settle it. Forget it. Don't let it bother you. Just cheer up. Get happy. Because if you just let that thing bother you for the rest of your life, you're going to go to your grave unhappy. And, and who wants to go to your grave unhappy? I mean, at least you want to smile on your face when you die. Come on. You want to. And you don't want to smile on your wife's face when you die. Hey, so. Sure glad that's over. It's a happy moment for her. She's looking at the insurance money. Come on. No, you want her to be crying and you want to be smiling when you go home to heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, how can two walk together unless there's some agreement? So sometimes you agree to disagree. You don't want to do it that way, but that, that's the way he wants to do it. So just let it go. Or you don't want to do it that way, but that's the way she wants to do it. That's just her personality. And her personality is not necessarily godly or ungodly. It's just hers. Your personality is not necessarily godly or ungodly. It's just yours. And every personality needs a little temperance. So I'm not letting you off the hook totally here. Come on now. Say, I don't want to change. I like the way I am. Well, she doesn't. So get a little help. Come on. And, and, and temper your personality and, and adjust a little bit. Your personality will be the same. It's just that you maintain a little more self-control in that area of your life. Are you following me? And let Jesus work in you to change you from glory to glory. Let life be better instead of bitter. Let life get gooder, we will say. Praise the Lord. And life can be better than it is. And I want life to be better than it has been. And thankfully, praise God, I can communicate much more effectively with my wife than we could 25 years ago. I mean, after we first got married, I, uh, we both kind of looked at each other a few times. And, my God, what have I got into? Hey, don't. Don't look at me like that. I know. But thank God for his grace that we believed in God and there was a threefold cord. It wasn't just two people that had to work it out. There was a Father God involved in our lives and he had a plan and he had a purpose and he had a way whereby we could follow that plan and we could succeed in our marriage and we began to work together more effectively because the love of God believes the best of every person and believes beyond what you think is ought to be right 
And, you know, it's not always who's right. It's like uh, what's right. And what you think is right is not always right. So you need to go to find out what is right. And if you follow God's plan, you'll find out that it is right. And if you follow it, it'll work. Praise God. God's word works. And it works in any area of your life. And if it works anywhere, it works in marriage. It works in your marriage relationship. How many want God's best for your marriage? Well, you get out of it what you invest in it. If you want it to be good, you got to put something in it. Because marriage is a giving and receiving relationship. It's not all him and it's not all you. It's two people who are willing to come together. If it was all you, you would have stayed unmarried. If it was all him or her, you would have stayed unmarried. But you wanted somebody to be with and you want somebody that you can be married to, that you can believe in, and you can, you can trust, and there's honesty in the relationship. Someone that you can believe in for the rest of your life and invest in their life. I don't know about you, but if you're married, I would encourage you to plan to grow old and die. Because you're going to die, either with her or without her. But it'd be nice if you died together. Amen. Come on. Uh, it would be nice if you both just folded up your feet in bed after having sex and said, praise the Lord, let's go home. What a way to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God is good. Everything he made is good. The devil just messes it up, perverts it, turns it around, messes it all up. But thank God, there is something good that God has created, and it's called marriage. It's a covenant between a man and a woman that God has placed together, and he's put you together with a purpose and with a dream, not only an individual dream, but a dream together, and you can dream the dream of God, and you can have a successful relationship in your marriage and be blessed all the trip. Hallelujah. God's good. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 says likewise, verse 7. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands. Now, Jesus, why didn't you say wives? But he happens to be talking to husbands. He says, likewise, you husbands. There are some things before this about wives, but that's not our subject this morning. <laughs> husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. So then, if you're going to dwell with your wife properly, you can't, be, you can't be ignorant. You can't be without knowledge. Because he just told us to dwell with our wife, husbands. With knowledge, according to knowledge. And he says, give honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, we are to dwell with them according to knowledge. 20th century translation says, live considerately with their wives. So be considerate of your wife. New English Bible says, conduct your married life with understanding. Barclay says, live understandingly with your wives. Live understandingly with your wives. Or dwell with them according to knowledge. 
have understanding. Well, without God's word and without clear communication, you do not have understanding. And without understanding, you don't have agreement, right? So communication is necessary. But don't let your communication just be based on your natural uh, desires, but let the communication have its full uh, basis or foundation in the Word of God. And if you'll base your marriage on the Word, and what is God's plan for a marriage relationship, and then your desires can come into play. But if you don't submit first to God, how are you going to effectively submit to your husband? If you don't love God, husbands, how are you going to effectively love your wife? You can't love uh, your wife like Christ loves the church if you don't have a relationship with Christ. But if you have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with Jesus and, and a fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God and you're maintaining that in your life, then you can effectively uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church because His love is shed abroad in your heart. And you're able to effectively be what God has called you to be and created you to be in the marriage relationship. The same uh, true about the wife. If she doesn't learn to submit her life to Jesus, she can't effectively submit to her husband. So the key is, first, our relationship with God. There is a threefold cord in this relationship. When I made a covenant with my wife, I made a covenant with God. I didn't just make a covenant with her. I made a commitment and a covenant with God. That this is my commitment to God and to my wife. Same with her. She made a covenant with God. She made a covenant with me. And so there is a commitment. If there is a covenant, there should be a commitment. And without love, there is no commitment. So I'll just try this out for six months. No, you don't try this out for six months. This is not a used car. I'm telling you, this is not a three-month guarantee or take it back. No, this is a lifetime commitment. Now, I know that that's not the normal uh, philosophy of the world we live in today, but it is God's Word. And so, if you failed in the past, the future doesn't have to be the same as the past. Amen. So, we're not in, 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 in discouraging you in, by any means or trying to condemn you for any failure in your past, but our goal is to lift you up to a new level of faith and confidence and assurance that if anybody can do this, you can do it. Just because you failed in the past does not mean you have to fail in the future. And God wants you to have hope. And he wants you to have assurance and confidence that you can succeed in your marriage relationship. So he tells you, you've got to dwell with him according to knowledge or live with him in an understanding way. And some husbands, you know, they just say, well, I can't understand my wife. Well, I don't believe that. Maybe you are not experiencing that, but I don't believe that you can't. Because the Bible tells you to understand her. And the Bible tells you to live with her according to knowledge in an understanding way. Then I think you can understand her. Now, I didn't say you're going to understand everything about her. She doesn't understand everything about you. There are differences. I understand that. There are variables in your relationship. But nevertheless, you can have enough understanding. I understand my wife much better today than I did the first year we were married. How many understand if you've been married any length of time, you understand your wife. You understand how she works. You understand how she thinks. You understand how she feels, what, what blesses her and what doesn't bless her, what encourages her, what doesn't encourage her. You understand how to build her up. You understand what it takes to encourage her when she's uh, down. You know, if uh, the scriptures talk about it's better to have two than one because if one is fallen, you can lift, the other can lift them up. Praise God. 
So in a marriage relationship, you ought to be ready to lift up your wife or ready to lift up your husband, encourage them in the Lord. Or in a friendship relationship, you need to be ready to lift one up. Don't let them stay down. Praise God. And the closer the relationship, the more authority you have and the boldness and assurance and confidence that you have to encourage another. Isn't that right? The closer the relationship. But if you don't have any relationships when you fall and you're by yourself, then you just lay there for a long time, sometimes. Some people, they say, I just pull, I just, I just pull my, I, my life up by my own bootstraps. I'm taking care of my own self. I, I'm all right by myself. Well, praise the Lord, I don't want to do your funeral. I've done, I've done a lot of funerals. And it's sad when you have a funeral and nobody comes. There's no acknowledgement. That tells you something about their life. Now, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying that's the way it is. You know, when people die, you, it gives you a picture of what kind of relationships that they had in their life. And so you want, to, you, you want somebody to cry. I want somebody to cry. I didn't say you had to cry alone, but at least cry a little bit. <laughs> then after you cried, you can rejoice I'm in heaven. Praise the Lord. Don't you want to, you, you want to know somebody loved you at least enough to show up and say, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> Come on. Life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, James says, and then it vanishes away. So when your life vanishes away, you'd like to have some history that somebody liked. You'd like to have some history that uh, tells something about your life that had character. You'd like to have your family there. How sad it is, you know, at death, families can't even get together. I've been at some funerals. Man, they just... Chewing each other out when they got up to talk. Now, if that was yours, I'm not trying to point it out. It just happened to be. It was your family, you know. I, but I've seen it happen. You know, people are mad right at the funeral. Man, I've seen them almost curse a man that was laying in the casket. She didn't get it said before he died, so you're going to say it now. I'm going to let you all know. Y'all come up here and tell how good he was. He wasn't no good. Maybe you don't know what he did to me. And they're still living with that. Man, he's dead. He's gone. Give it up. Come on. Forgive. Go on. Wake up. I got something to say. Like at Pastor B.B. Hankins' funeral, you know, Pastor Mark said, I'm surprised somebody didn't ask him for counseling. <laughs> there was one more thing I didn't get to ask you, Pastor. <laughs> he said, your husbands dwell with him according to knowledge. Be willing to adjust in your life. Give honor to your wife. It's sad that, you know, some men, they'll honor another lady, but they don't honor their own wife. If you're going to be a gentleman to other ladies on your job, you need to be a gentleman to your wife. I'm preaching real good. 
Give honor to your wife as unto the weaker vessel. Your heirs together. Your sharers together, 20th century says, of the free gift of life. You're sharing together in the gift of life. Life is too short to live bitter. Life is too short to live always badgering your husband or your wife. You know, one verse in Scripture says, a contentious woman. Jesus. Actually, three times in Proverbs it says that. It's better to live in a wilderness than with a contentious woman. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. It says it's better to live in a corner of a housetop than with a a contentious woman. Do you know that God wants you to be in agreement? He didn't want you to be a nag. Pastor, did you say that in church? Yeah. Yeah. Right here in front of everybody. I didn't point you out. I just said he doesn't want you to be a nag. Don't nag your husband all the time. He is an intelligent being. He heard it. He just didn't look like it. Don't nag your wife about everything. Come on, don't be on each other all the time. Always messing with each other in a negative way. Always demeaning one another. Come on, let's be positive. Let's live life. Life is too short to not have fun. And if you're not in agreement, you're not going to enjoy life. If you're always in dissension and division, you're not going to have fun. You get up every day. Oh, my God. Just turn the other way. (laughs) I mean, you can't. It's sad, isn't it? You got mirrors that back up to each other and you got to look. No. No, that's not the way it is. No, you want to love each other. You want to cheer up each other. You want to encourage each other. You want to be a blessing to your wife. You want to be a blessing. And you want to enjoy life. Somebody say, I want to enjoy life. life. Marriage was meant to be enjoyed. You don't want to go home and say, my, I got to go home. And you don't want to, when you show up, there's all the kids scatter. (laughs) Here comes daddy. I'll go. We're going. I'm out of here. No, you want your wife to be happy when you come home. You want your husband to be happy when you come home. Don't bring all of your problems at work home. Dump on them. Uh, uh, woe is me. No, come on, let's, let's get happy. Let's enjoy life. How many are with me this morning? You know God wants you to be happy. How many believe God wants you to be happy? He wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to enjoy your marriage. Marriage is meant to be good. And your home is a refuge. It's a place to run to. When you've been fighting all day, you ought to be able to go home and have some peace. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, that's my home. If it's not yet that way, I believe it's going to be that way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, our teacher. And we trust that you're cheering up your people today. You're encouraging them in the Lord. Father, the Holy Spirit is The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, you can call on Jesus. You can call on him for your salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you have to work for or you have to earn by your own merits. It's something that you receive by simple faith in the fact that Jesus died for your sin and that God raised him again from the dead. Just pray this simple prayer right now and call on the name of Jesus. Say, dear God, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
that he died for my sin and that you raised him again from the dead. I confess you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today, you are saved. You're a child of God. God is your Father, and He has a great plan for your future. Give us a call today at the number on your screen. We want to send you a book free of charge with no obligation on your part. It's our desire to be a help to you in your spiritual life, and we believe the best years of your life are ahead. Life is not a sprint. It's a journey, and a bend in the road is not the end of the road. No matter what life throws at you, God has an answer. In life, we all have trials and tests and temptations that come against us, but there can be a life of joy that causes you to endure through the test, and you can rejoice your way to victory. When life's moving too quickly, sometimes we just need to stop and realize that God's working on us. And one of the things he's trying to do is develop patience. James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This series will help you learn that through everything life throws at you, there is a way to win and find joy that will bring you success you only imagine. This series includes the titles, Joy for the Journey, Count It All Joy, Joy in His Presence, and From Sorrow to Joy. God has a plan no matter what road you're on, and this series will help you and encourage you to enjoy every step. Order today. We encourage you to call us today for this new series called Joy for the Journey. You can rejoice and you can